Hello everyone, welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast and it's another interview episode as we chat to Anthony Bunn, editor of Duck Magazine. In these interviews we want to talk to people with a genuine passion for Stoke and Duck Magazine is the embodiment of that. I went to the excellent Glebe pub to chat with Bunny about fanzines, Stoke, the academy, hopes for next season and much more besides. As you might expect with the interview being recorded in a pub on a Saturday night, there's a fair bit of background noise. So if it bothers you, apologies for that but we think it's worth a listen all the same. Just heads up, if you support us on Patreon, we'll be putting an extra slice of this interview up there later in the week. We'll be back to our usual format soon. When, who knows? We may even have an exciting signing to talk about. The first question I've got written down then is, uh, why are fanzines still relevant? Um, I I mean, as a fanzine anorak, I mean, from... You know, for the last 25 years, crack is it's possibly even more than that now, 30 years, you know, <clears throat> fanzines have been part of the matchday culture for me. Um, I can only speak, you know, personally, and I think that's why, you know, other people probably follow suit as well, that, you know, I, like, I've always lo- loved away matches more than home matches. Uh, I think most people, especially for, you know, since you moved to the Britannia, well, the Bet365 now have, I always find the away day, you know, Go with your mates, etc., having a few beers, a bit of a sing song, and whatever, and just getting the fanzine as part of it. It's like, I think it's great. Football allows you to visit other cities and kind of other cultures as well, in a way. And I don't know, it's like a sna- I think a fanzine is like a snapshot, not just of the club, but of the area as a whole as well. So, uh, plus, I think, I think some of the best football writing about is in is in fanzines now, or whatever you, you know, whatever you want to call them, having magazines or fanzines. It always has been from. From the days of Pete and Hooten and the boys doing the end, um, to to some of the fanzines around nowadays, which are just I mean, funny. A lot of them knock the writing you get in the top newspapers out, you know, out the park. To be honest, so I mean, I mean I've always liked the printed word. Um, Lee, the other uh, the other editor of me, went on Radio Stoke and he said they asked him with exactly the same question. He says. Unfortunately, he said, when I'm in the bathroom on the bed, I like something in my hand to hold, <laughs> which is a bit of a faux pas when it's on at six, you know, six o'clock on Radio Stoke. But it's, it's, it's the same with me in a way. I know Kindles aren't the same. When I go on holiday and I see people reading from Kindles, I literally want to just bomb the pool and splash them. Um, so, you know, turning pages, I don't know, there's something, you know, really, I don't know, old fashioned in a way about it and, and quite noble. Um, so, like I say, when I go away, I've not got, not got a Kindle. I'm not massively into te- technological stuff. I've got a... I'll show you here. The worst <laughs> mobile phone ever. Made by Huawei. H-U-A-W-E-I. That's not product placement. That, purely be that's £14 a month. Purely so my wife and my kid can have a, have a better phone than me. So I, I, I'm maybe just old-fashioned. I think everybody of a certain age says it was, things about football were better in, in their day. But it, it is great to see fanzines coming back. Yeah. There's loads. You know, used to be that every club would have two or three, and they were all listed. And when Saturday comes on an A to Z, mm. so you went to QPR or somewhere, and you know you were going to get the one was called the Kick Up the R's, which was brilliant. One was in the loft, and so on. And it's coming. It's coming back. The printed words coming back uh, purely because I think of the quality of the writing in there. So, and I think, like I say, I, I think especially with Duck, I think. Um, we, we are, you're probably going to ask me this later but we set out to be obviously totally different to the OK there's no, mm. no point in beating the Masters at the home game because yeah. what they do is fantastic and they're topical and it's out every two weeks we, can, we can't compete I don't want to compete with that so I think I think if you get Duck and the OK on a match day uh, and the programme is a good read as well the programme is really good uh, you know you're going to get some quality reading so I think mean, it's quality really you know so long live the fanzine you know, it's, I don't, you know, we don't make a massive amount of money. Um, not a rumour that was going around that I gave up my job of teaching to, to edit a fanzine. Now, yeah. Other fanzine editors will be having a, you know, a wry smile at thinking that I'm going to make the money I ever made from teaching. It wasn't that at all, but, you know, we, make, we need to sell the magazine. Mm. Um, away games, like I say, I, I love selling it away games. So we go to about, I'll say, between me and Orphe, we go to about 10 a season. I mean, we've all, you know, got other responsibilities now and, and cost the you know like I say I gave up teaching so I, you know it's not like I can swan off all over the country but I just there's something really I don't know uh, 
trying to find the words here. Um, something really nice about being at the, at the Bet365 at half six, seven o'clock in the morning when, it, when there's, you're there before the coaches and there's no one around. There's like a kind of a, a, a silly beauty about the place in a way. Mm. And it's just, and in that hour, we sell really well at the coaches. We do. We can sell more at the coaches than we can for a home game sometimes because people want to read on the way down. So yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a business decision as much as anything else. But it's just ace when you're meeting fellow Stoke fans in the morning, they've all got the sandwiches packed and whatever, and you get a real wide cross section of. Mm. From your young, young casuals in a way, and whatever you're going on a free bus with a can of pop still, to you know people my age who've been all over the country a little bit, to couples who are going. But the best thing is as well, especially with the free transport, is the kids are going away matches. There's a new generation who now can afford to go with the mums and dads or whoever or their uncles. So it's great that that next generation, you know, has come through the coaches. But no, it's a buzz. It's an absolute buzz. Selling it away, away games. Everton and Liverpool being case in points are, are two of the best selling days we have at home or away, uh, especially with the home fans as well. Like I say, there's something about just standing outside the away end selling something from your city and someone else's city in a yeah. way, which gives, gives you a bit of a buzz. So, and to be honest, we've been, we've been accepted by home fans. We've never had any my at all. Pop at Villa, I spat, on, spat in the face at Villa. He tried to, it was typical Villa, he missed by six yards. <laughs> so... Um, so no, it's, it's a buzz. Whenever I sell it, 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 it is. I, you know, I think anyone who's got their own business who sells their own products will say there's a real buzz about about selling products. And you know, if if it's just one person on the bus who's never seen duck before and they buy it, that's worthwhile because yeah. they, they may buy it again. So you've obviously um, done a few free PDF stuff now. So yeah. not not quite the printed word. But, no. Um, what? How's that been like? Have you? Do you, enjoy, do you enjoy those just the same as? No, <laughs> I like I like picking the magazines up. We mainly pick the magazines up from the printers. You know, the smell of a magazine and that sounds really strange. I should should be putting signs for strange stuff like that. But it is. It's just a buzz. It's a buzz when you pick up pick up a product that you have, have helped to create. The PDFs are, fulfil a really good purpose. I mean, in the summer there are no matches, so obviously we can't really sell a magazine. But we want to keep duck out there and the word out there. Plus, we, the one thing we're never short of is content. Mm. Now, yourself have written several great articles for us. The next issue we've got, we could literally do 60, if it was cost effective, do 60 pages. So, you know, basically, it was just keeping word of the magazine going. We, the one we do at Christmas is purely because we want to enjoy Christmas. We're totally honest with you. I'm a massive baby with Christmas. I love I'm having to be presents before the kids. I wake the kids up on Christmas Eve. On Christmas morning, not Christmas Eve. Because uh, that'd be really cruel, wouldn't it? Waking kids up on Christmas Eve. But no, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's done for a purpose of keeping the duck word out there. Um, and obviously this summer we've done like a generic national football yeah. mag. So it's not... There's a couple of stoke bits and bobs in there. But I, that gave me a buzz reading about other clubs as well. So... So yeah, it's, it just keeps the word going. To be honest, it gives people a bit of time off at Christmas. The sellers don't have to, you know, it, it's hard work selling. It is, even if it's an hour and a half. You know, I think sometimes you know, when you've got twenty-eight, the, the bigger the crowd, the harder it is to sell. There's just so the, the volume of people that walk past is just just massive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just do to keep the, the word out there. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned there you you don't want to compete with the oatcake range. The, the sort of the biggest compliment I can pay you it, it doesn't really sound like a compliment but it is is it's clearly a magazine that you you'd want to read yourself it, it comes across as something you've produced that yeah. it's very much in your own style so it's, right, okay. it, it, it covers stuff that you're interested in or ha- did you ever plan it to be just football did you always have that idea in your head of what yeah. you wanted Duck to be yeah we always I mean me and Leah now, we, we concocted the idea because we worked at the same school together and we both wrote for the Oatcake and I wrote for all the you know, bits and bobs for the other bits, you know, magazines and fanzines as well and um, no, we were t- totally selfish about it we wanted to, we want to produce a magazine what, what we're into um, it, it evolves into then being a broader church and, and you know, the stuff in there what I'm not into for example, Paul Vale, there have been articles in there from Vale fans. Some of our best articles were written by a Man United fan, Dutz. Mm. He was just a, I'm seeing him next ride. He's coming up with the lads for, for a night out. Um, you know, good writing's good writing. And stuff which is funny or, or, or you know, really good to read is, is really good to read. So, 
we never wanted to pigeonhole it as a, as a Stoke fanzine. Mm. Excuse me, I'll be totally honest about that. But we, you know, we did. We've always seen that match day is a small part of being a football fan, especially a Stoke fan. You know, it's it's obviously we haven't got much much to write about, about winning trophies or being massively successful. But you know, that's we're not Stoke fans because of that. Um, so match day for us has always been about being with your mates, some decent music. You know, a lot of people in, into the trainers or coats or whatever, this, that, and the other. And um, so, whenever people want to write about, people will write about. So, probably my favourite ever article. There's been a, there's been a few actually, um, but one was written by by a, a Vale fan and issue one about some of the weirdos you see on the train from Piccadilly back to Stoke on yeah. Trent. And it was so good in 600 words, it takes some doing. You actually you feel like you sat there on the train and you're looking at that bloke opposite thinking, he's going to murder me. That kind of stuff. So, whatever we, we, you know, whatever people, when people write from the heart, it goes in, to be honest, or it goes on the website. So, as long as it's written from the heart, we're really not bothered what it's about. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the national magazine then, uh, how, how did that come about? Um, well, we, were gonna, we were going to do a PDF anyway. Um, but we just thought, and, and it gets sent out, and I mean, Dutch read by a lot of non-Stoke fans anyway. So I just thought, not be fun to tap into into their writing um, and their experiences, and, and you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of the problems faced by certain clubs or fans or the experiences have been, you know, have shared by everybody. Uh, it's not everybody who, you know, Man United and they've won trophy after trophy. There's a generation of their support who. Who, who gets all smacked arse now when they lose a couple of games? Um, so we just wanted to open it up. That, that's basically why we did the national PDF thing, and um, and you know we went down really well. Some some great pieces in there. I wish we'd have probably bought out in print, but that wouldn't have been. I know Sam was very business-like. We'd have lost money, to be honest, because of forty-eight pages full colour glossy, whatever. You know, we'd have, we'd have to sell it at silly prices or shift silly quantities, and that, that was never going to happen in the summer. So, it's something we'll do again, and one day I will. We will produce a national magazine purely because it's on one of the bucket things to do before before I die, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a cheery, cheery interjection there. Um, Stoke, uh, Stoke have got. You just said you're kind of not a Stoke fanzine in a way, but you, you, mm. they've got the oat cake and dog kit at, at every home game. Yeah. Um, Stoke have got, I think, three podcasts now and all the other stuff that goes along with that, all the social media stuff. Is this, And a lot of clubs don't have a fanzine. A lot mm. of clubs don't, don't have anything podcast-wise or fan yeah. channel-wise or whatever. Is there something about Stoke, maybe, that's, that's brought out all these, all these idiots with microphones? Well, yeah, I mean... I think Stoke people are very opinionated. They like they like the voices kind of being heard. There's a new generation of Stoke fan as well who, who, um, you know, obviously with technology nowadays as well as use that to their you know, to their advantage to produce some real quality stuff. I mean, there's a great range of stuff, absolutely great range. You know, catering for a lot of people. Um, I mean, it's a very you know, drive-through kind of mentality world we live in at the minute, where people want things now. So I think kind of the the stuff what you do and, and the bear pit and loud and proud cater for that as much as as, as we do on perhaps things which are maybe a bit more uh, they sound really patronising but timeless in a yeah. way I suppose you could read you could get an issue of Dot from two years ago and read it tonight and it would probably seem just as fresh in a way because it, it's meant to be timeless and like I say with the Oatcake obviously out every home game a new issue they're going to get the up to date stuff spot on anyway so no, I think it's really good to be honest um, like I say it's I like watching stuff, I like reading stuff, I like listening to stuff in general. I don't like, take, take Tally out of the equation, even though I might tweet about Love Island or whatever, or I don't know, how, how really funny Miranda Hart is and Sarah Millican, you know, I don't, I'm not glued to the Tally, it's just there while I'm literally mm-hmm. writing an article, but most of the time, going into work, I listen to podcasts all, all the time, to be honest. They, you know, they are, I suppose they're the, 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 the 2017 version of a fanzine in a way. So the next issue, we've got Carl Beeston, Orphy interviewed Carl Beeston, and it was a bit like, I think he like carjacked him, he, he literally drove him around the place where he was born, took him back to the Victoria ground, went to look at the first pub he went in and stuff like that. 
it's a bit of a shame in a way it's coming out in a magazine because I think that would have made a really good video. Yeah. I really do think that would be decent. Um, and, and, and I've not even read it yet. Yeah, Wolfie, if you're listening, this goes out tomorrow. If you don't get it to me by tomorrow night, mate, then it isn't going in. You have to make some some rubbish up about I don't know some someone else. We'll have to do another piece on how much we love Mark Mooney yes, and stuff like that. But no, that kind of stuff really is interesting to me and hopefully to other Stoke fans as well. Um, and from what Orphy told me, the beast you know didn't uh, didn't let up in, in stories and and whatever. It was warts and all. So so yeah, we what, what have we got planned? We we go from month to month. To be honest, what turns us on, what people send in what's happening with the club, what's happening in the world or whatever. So there are no plans at the minute to do I'm trying to make there's no more interviews really in the pipeline. We'll see what comes up. Um, I've actually tried to switch off football. Well not football, try to switch off Stoke for a few weeks. I think mm. everybody everybody needs to, especially on social media, mm. to be honest. Um, and I feel far better for it. Yeah. I feel like I need it. I think after the last eighteen months, you know, Stoke fans need a need a you know, an end of season break. Yeah. To be honest, and switch off and not worry too much about what's happening down at Clayton Wood. So I'll worry about it in a couple of weeks when we haven't <laughs> signed anybody on out of it. She's gone to West Ham. Oh God. A place for the love of the game. What I love about football is just the the random hugs that happen after goals with strangers in the crowd. A place for unadulterated emotion. The talk of the Tony Pierce John and then that, I'm going to be crying in the street in a second. A place for bold predictions. I put it public that I don't think Crouch is going to score a goal again for us in the league. A place for expert insight. I'm with Stan Collymore of all people. Stan, you watch a lot of football. And if all those areas were not covered, Pulis would go absolutely ape in the dressing room at us. And a place for hashtag deploy and goy. It's a big moment in his career. It's a, a big moment in his life, probably. I can't help but feel entirely responsible <laughs> for what just happened. The Wizards of Drivel podcast. A place for Stoke City. Now this is Trump's podcast. It's a bit like Glenn Wheeler in a way. A lot of, a lot of money's been spent over the last decade to replace these players, and they never have. Mm. Now, that may say more about the money we've spent and who we've spent it on than the players themselves but no that'd be funny you just have to ask their teammates what they think of those those kind of players yeah. you know they are the fabric of the club and I think it'd be really modern football in a way if people actually just kind of discounted what they'd done I, I do feel when, when I spoke earlier about um, Twitter and the, the need you backing yourself into a corner wouldn't you say you don't like John Waters on Twitter you, keep, you have to keep at it or you're going to lose face mm. I just don't see how anyone could not like someone who at the very least worked harder than anyone on the pitch and God, God knows over the 40 odd years I've been watching there have been players sometimes in the red and white stripes who haven't put the effort in and I know people say well, it's, you know, it's a prerequisite but I'm sorry he went above and beyond with regards yep. to effort leading scorer in the Premier League most of those goals scored out of position out wide never Oh yeah, there was we put transfer requests. He wasn't blind. Yeah, Begovic put a transfer request and we, he was fantastic. I mean, show me a player who's happy that he's on the bench and not playing, and I'll show you a player I want out of the club. To be honest, you know, he's great in the changing room. By all accounts, we've interviewed him two or three times and met him a number of the times and with the Donald Louise and stuff. He's just a normal bloke, and I mean that in a really nice way. So, I didn't think I didn't. I didn't think. Um, that him going would massively upset me to be honest like someone put on Twitter last night it's a bit like when your old dog gets put down (laughs) yeah sorry Johnny for letting this but it's kind of like it breaks your heart even though the time's right yeah Um, but I'm just wondering at the minute time will only tell if the time is right to get rid of him because at the minute I don't see a lot better on our books Mm. up front to be honest Uh, again that might be you know. Yeah, Danny Higginbottom, when I spoke to him, mentioned this kind of thing about football snobbery. There are people who underrate guys like Walters, who, 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 like Delap, who yeah. run through brick walls for you time after time after time and just yeah. don't get the credit. Yeah. Even though I think, obviously, <clears throat> Walters, Walters has shown he's got ability, no question. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't score the goals he has at the standard he has. He's our top scorer in the Premier League. Exactly. And internationally as well, he's, he's loved by the Republic fans. Mm. You just don't do that if you if you know good at football. And the thing is with Johnny, like I said, like Roy's like very under eighty footballers. In a way, would have been would have been good if Roy didn't 
do all this throwing ends of us because at, at the heart of it, he was a really good mm. defensive minded midfielder. Yeah. Really good. Very intelligent player. Very intelligent. Walters is exactly the same. He's one of the best players you can ever have if you want a lot because he's. He holds the ball up really well. He's really he's a really small bloke when you stand next to him. I know I'm over you know, overweight and whatever, but he is. Um, he's not the biggest bloke, but on a pitch he looks quite big. Yeah. And he's tough. People don't shake him off it. And you know, he's brilliant at doing those little shit housey things where he wins his free kicks, buys his time, he plays he's a clever footballer. Ian, you know, and the Burnley are getting a player who'll do him a great job. You know, he's not got a glamorous name. He's not one of those, na- you know, players. He'll, he'll suit Burnley down. He'll, to the he'll suit Burnley down to the ground. That's the most patronising thing <laughs> we've ever said. Yeah, I, I, the, but, it but, does sound patronising, but it is true. You don't get many. You don't get many kids with Walters, you know, twenty-nine or whatever his number was on the back. You just don't get it. Similarly, you don't get Delap. You don't get Whelan. That says yeah, probably, probably says more about you know modern football than anything else. To be honest, they're the kind of people I'd point. You know, my little boy is at the academy at Stoke now. He's only eight, but I'd say follow their example. Yeah. As much as you love Bojan and Shakiri and they can do the tricks there, and they've got the names. Yeah. These are the players that are the fabric of every club, the size of Stoke that that, that progresses. So yeah, it was a sad day yesterday. No two ways about it. It's getting the it's getting the balance right, isn't it? Um, obviously. Kids will have on out of it and Bergen on their shirt because they're the guys who produce the spectacular. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the first season of Bergen, just I'd never seen anything like that at Stoke. I'd never seen this have a number 10 before, you know. So it's always getting the balance right between mm. having having the likes of Walters, Wheel, yeah. and Ryan to an extent as well, and having that bit of quality who like like Rick who might not turn out every single game but when they do turn out bloody hell you know Rick I mean Rick, Rick was was a one off um, I mean you know he, he's up there with Steno as, as, as my favourite Stoke player of all time I think he, I think he did turn up in a lot of games but he also did a lot of work as well just because he didn't tear around like Andy Cook you know doesn't mean he didn't work hard. I used to say to people in the magazine and on social media that look at look at any t- top class striker. They don't. They work in short bursts, and I don't want you know always walking back from an offside position. That's because the ball's at the other end of the bloody pitch. Yeah. Why should he run back? And I like the fact that his personality. He's I got like, a swagger. Yeah, I like players with personality on a pitch. Um, so, so, like you say, well, for, you know, for every Rick, for every Bowyan. I think it was was it Bournemouth last season where we picked a really attacking team at home. We didn't have Glenn Whelan. I'm sure Whelan didn't play that game, and we went with the golden three. Yeah. You know, striker this, that, and the other. And it, it was just a bit of a mess, to be honest. It was a, yeah, yeah. Because Bowyer missed the penalty, didn't he? And it was a real mess. You need every team needs glue. Leicester needed glue when they won the league. Chelsea had have always. It's no surprise that Chelsea got back to, to winning the league last year. As soon as I saw that game at Man City, where there was all those antics where Aguero got sent off, and there were Chelsea players steaming in, and I thought, Chelsea are back here. year yeah. before under Mourinho, there was none of that. Yeah, all of a sudden, there's 11 men around the ref and whatever, and you can say it's a bit shit house or whatever, but I quite like my team. Not surrounding there, but sticking up for each other. And that's what we, we've got with the likes of Wheel and Walters, Shawcross, the axis of the team. We haven't really been. Well, we were it's, never it's no coincidence that Kante has won two Premier League titles no. because he just does that mucking bullet stuff yeah. every single time. Yeah. Um, players get like typecast, don't they? Like people say, so and so is lazy. People say Arnie's lazy, and I'm, I don't. I don't have that really for saying he's a moody bastard. No question. But I don't. I don't get the stuff where you say, oh, he's he's not really in it. It's like what people say, Charlie Adams overweight. I'm sorry, I'm not being funny. You can't get away with it in the Premier League. If you're lazy or overweight, I think I think all the sports scientists and the management and the coaches that you would actually find out by now. You know. So like you say, some players tear us about, some players, you know, on the backside slide tackling all this, that and the other. Only may not do that, but you know, I think especially over the last 18 months of Eric Peters' form. When Arnie's been, you know, Arnie's done a lot of unnoticed work tracking back and helping his helping his defender out. And a lot of the time, the best the best form of defence is to attack, and that's what Arnie gives us as well. He's carried us up the pitch, set goals up, and whatever. So, you know, if if Arnie's lazy, give me another ten lazy points. Yeah.
I mean, you said we'll get on to the season in a minute. There's a number of players like Mamjouf, which we don't know where they should be playing. The manager doesn't know where they should be playing, and that's the real worrying thing for me. That there's so much uncertainty over a lot of. We've got so many players who are a certain standard or in a certain position, and so he, so Hughes has rotated them over the last 18 months to to the detriment of you know this, this stability and having a set formation there's never been a time where he's actually thought I'm going to stick two months I'm going to pick a team and go with it you know we had all the Stoke alone and whatever as soon as we you know went to West Brom and in a physical game and whatever that went out the window as soon as Liverpool pressed us in the League Cup that went out the window we've gone three at the back a couple of times Watford and Burnley never really you know looked at it for long enough to, to make it succeed in a way it's kind of like it, it's kind of week to week crisis yeah. management a little bit that, that, that's, that was my big frustration with the whole of last season is that Hughes seemed to lose faith in himself because mm. like, even before like said Bojan Shakiri came when we had Victor Moses and Stephen Island we played like a 4-2-3-1 kind of counter-attacking stuff and Sometimes, sometimes we lost, but yeah. we, we knew what the game plan was, yeah. and a lot of the time it was effective, and it was good to watch. Yeah. And now we've we've had this situation last season where we've gone three four three, three five two, four two three one with four four two a lot of the time as well, and we've we've never really picked a system, and it's no. kind of this and loss of identity might be putting it too too broad a term, but it's kind of like we haven't had an identity to lose. Well, yeah. You know, it's it, 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 it's it's just really frustrating. Um, you know, and, and when you moan, or some people moan, people say, "Well, you weren't there when we lost four 0 at Wigan." Which we actually, I wrote the editorial last night as well of the next Wigan. People can't help, you know, the parents uh, not getting together, you know, until they were. You know, the year two thousand and two or whatever. Mm. People aren't born. Yeah. Weren't born. They couldn't be there. So, to be, football. Yeah, I mean, the magazine's a lot about nostalgia. Football's about history, I said, but it's mainly about the here and now. You know, and the here and now is coming up quickly next season. And I, I'm still really concerned about. Does he know his best team? Does he know, you know, where which where what his system's going to be? And like I say, and have a lot not respect, but have I you know, and have a lot more faith. If he just said, right, I'm going to, coming out, I'm going to play this until Christmas, sod you all. And I think, yeah, go on and go for it. Because he can't, af- he can't afford to, to mess about. Pers- on a personal level for him, I don't think he can afford that's a, to. That's the thing with the um, remember where you came from thing. That's a perfectly legitimate point to make. And uh, my first Stoke game, we lost 4 1 at home to Bristol Rovers. And, and that's always a you know, it's always helpful to have that perspective. It's mm. always helpful to think, right, in the grand scheme of things, we're a mid-table Premier League team, and that's that's amazing, really, when you think about it. But that also doesn't mean you can't have a go can't. accused when you think no, you've got it wrong. It's like me going home at the end of a game and me, me eight-year-old lad saying, oh, we didn't play very well today, did we, Dad? I said, get on the naughty step, mate. You weren't there against Blythe Spartans, <laughs> were you? How dare you? Yeah, exactly. just be great. No, no you know, I'm... Like I say, football's about the here and now. And as much as we dwell on the past in the magazine, we, you know, we do it from an entertainment reason, not. But you know, after two years, we all thought that here was, you know, we're onto something. You know, we smashed Liverpool. We've got a team that paraded around the pitch that day. You know, they brought Bojan on at the end. You know, and passed the cast and We got hold on, we're one or two players away from here. He's got a system. We're one or two players away from having a, a top seven team. We were. We smashed that year. People say about Anzonzi. He hammered the likes of Arsenal's midfield, Spurs' midfield, Liverpool's midfield. He hammered teams that year. He was just, and the team itself had, they had a clear, defined system. And we thought, hold on, one or two here, one or two little tinkerings here and there, and, and then literally one player has caused us. The loss of one player has caused us to spend a record amount on a player who was nothing like him. To to go with several systems. You know, to let you throw the cards in the air, see where they land on a weekly basis. Mm. You know, and we've got enough quality in the squad to like last year finish where we finished. But yeah, this the whole thing with the midfield for me is that Hughes doesn't. It comes back to this: Hughes doesn't seem to know what he wants to do. Like 
and Zonzi leaving, obviously, it's a massive loss. Yeah. You've really got to struggle to to deal with that. But what we've got now is we've got like seven seven central midfields now who are each good at particular things. But yeah. No, not one of them is good enough at enough things to kind of. No. Joe Joe Allen is great, but he's he's great at, at being tenacious. He's great at sort of that, perhaps winning the ball back. But Whelan is is quite good at shielding the defence. Afli is good in possession, but not good at other things. And Bueller's good at uh, driving forwards, but really hopeless in yeah. defensively. Adam, he, he can he can pick a pass when he wants to, but just uh, he can go the rest of the game just completely just chasing shadow. Yeah. So we've got we've got really good squad depth, but in terms of starting eleven, I don't know what what we want to do. No, it's the same with the striker situation. I think if, I mean, until last night, Berahino, Crouch, Walters, Juve, etc. You know, if you put the best qualities of all those into one play, you'd have a really good striker. But I don't see them individually. Berahino, I mean, maybe come on to him in a minute. The Juve may still be out because obviously he's had it. Looks looks like a six-month fitness test, to be honest. Mm. And he's he's got to deliver. You know, if, if he doesn't start delivering. You know, from day one this season, you know, wow, I think we are in trouble and we're going to have to spend big money in, in January. But, yeah, we've got the same with the midfield, same with the striker, same, same with the, in a way, the back four. You've got a young right-back who maybe not be ready yet, but to give two 30-year-olds a contract in his spot. So he's still, but literally saying to him, you're still third, third choice and you're going out on loan or whatever, I don't think it was a clever move. Um, you know... And like I say, we've got so many players in certain positions, all doing different jobs. But it, it, it doesn't equate to a team. It doesn't. The midfield doesn't equate to a midfield. It's not a unit. Um, so I'm as baffled as to what the team will be on that first day now. As you know, never know. If, the, if it's ending now, transfer window ending tonight. You can ask any Stoke, Stoke fan, and I reckon there'll be a hundred different teams they pick. You know, with Butland maybe being one, Ben Ryan will play, um, and then the rest. You know, Arnie will play somewhere, but you don't know where. Will he play on? You know, number ten. Will he play on the right? Will he play? I don't know. So you know, that's really worrying. Really worries me that I just want him to go into pre-season this year. I mean, last year he played three at the back all pre-season basically. Mm. As soon as the season started, he didn't. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Just told me that pre-season, our pre-season last year went from July to, to October. Now that can't happen this year because if it does, the manager may not be in the job. He has to hit it, pre-season's huge this year. It's not just about fitness. We need some performances and results this pre-season. It mm. isn't just about running up hills and you know and this that and the other. It's about you know when we went to Hamburg last year and they absolutely hammered us. You know, actually. That wasn't a fitness exercise. Well, it didn't look like a fitness exercise. So, yeah, so it, it is worrying, but obviously, you know, we've got two or three weeks to get players in. But Yeah, um, pre-seasons. I've, re- I've written about this before, where, like, we've, we've always started the season poorly, yeah. and I, I've wondered, is our pre-season to blame for that? And I think last season we played about four or five games. Now, this season we appear to, uh, on paper, we're playing quite a few games, yeah. quite, a, quite a few domestic games, we've been playing a lot of games abroad, we're not going over to America, which... Singapore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing, we're doing the, what appears on paper to be the hard graft, so yeah. that appears to be good. But then you see the fixture list, Everton, Arsenal, Man United, you just think, First three home matches, you know, might... Uh, <laughs> Um, they, you know, they may surprise us I mean I, I, like I said we wrote the editorial last night and part of it was based on the atmosphere as well I'm just saying come on we can have a go at the team but let's have a look at ourselves a little bit as well and we always used to get up for two things one was a referee's mistake and two was Arsenal Yeah. well we didn't even get up for Arsenal last year it was a flat as a pancake and I thought I must admit I thought last home game Wenger could be out of a job our five kickoff mean, meaning people have been on the pop for a longer time, and it was so flat. Yeah. And um, you know that that Arsenal game is a massive. You know, it's a bit like when we played Liverpool. We beat them six-one. Then we played them first game, first home game of the next season, and, every, and everything changed. We went from six-one to you know to, to a one-nil defeat. 
this year that's a massive acid test I think of what's gone on with Mark Hughes' mindset over the summer is we've been absolutely hammered by Arsenal. Hey, they can beat they can beat a lot of teams. They outbattled us, they outran us that day and that should never ever happen to a Stoke team. So, you know, I think that's a key game to, to, to which signals to me, you know, are you know, are we as one? Uh, has pre-season gone well? Have we bought well? Have we got the shape of the team? You know, in a, in a, in a you know, quality shape to the team. Uh, basically, but more 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 than anything else is the mindset of, of the manager, and that actually can he affect what goes on in the space of two three months? Because it's our next home game. Arsenal was the last home game. Arsenal's our next home game. Yeah. So it's a huge acid test for me that game. Even if we lose it, I want us back to being Stoke. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to talk about was um, youth development. And, yeah. No, well, I, know, I know you've got uh, one of your lads. Is, he's only eight, mate. So he's, a, he's just into, he's into CBBS as much as football, so I wouldn't but, worry too much. Yeah, about I was, was just going to say. Um, uh, so is he Stoke under eight team? Is he? He is. He's just signed for um, as a standard contract, which they have to do when they're year three, eight. Right. So we're going to the year nine. Uh, year nine. So we're going to the under nines. Um, so he just loves playing football. Yeah. And he's he's, he's left footed. <laughs> he can play with his right as well. He, he loves the game. He loves cricket just probably more. He's just an eight year old kid. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask where, like, what's your impression of Stoke from from that point of view? All I can say is the coaches are, are brilliant with Archie. Um, so you've got Gareth Owen, who's head of what you would call everybody who's under 11, I think it is. Um, and so he oversees that with a number of coaches and, and scouts, you know, which work in partnership with him. And um, it, you know, Archie, Archie loves it. Um, coaches, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he's a young, he's a, he's a kid, and I'm now obviously his parent. So it's, it's ace that he plays for the team I support. Uh, it'd be ace if he played for any any team, but. It doesn't affect Archie in any way, shape, or form in being at Stoke. Um, he's as happy playing with his mates yeah. in grassroots football, which unfortunately he can't do anymore because he just can't. From once you sign a contract, and he's just out, in fairness, they, they play a lot of football as it is. And he knows he's a, he's a good kid, Archie. He knows that 99% don't make it. I've already told him to be on the scrap heap by the time he's 10. Uh, and also he, yeah. So, uh, but the coaches are great. But they, they, yeah, they coach them and they, they push them and develop them. But at the end of the day, they have a brilliant kind of relationship with them when they're coaching them and off the pitch. It's great, to be honest. And they're good people. And at the end of the day, that's all I'm bothered about. He could have the best coaching in the world. But if I don't like how they're talking to him as a kid, he'd be gone. Yeah. So all I can say is what I see is that people down there who he's come across so far have been have been really good to be honest and he enjoys it and the, and the lads as well are nice as well the other kids are nice they've got good standards uh, jumping up the ages then uh, yeah uh, we had Ngoy got 44 minutes last season Valinda got the bench Taylor was there about in pre-season but he doesn't sound like he's done too well at Rochdale no uh, obviously obviously we like it when when Academy product comes through but um People have asked me about about Stokes Academy. Like, who are we producing? Are you are you more confident that we're gonna see an academy product playing in the first team? Or are we kind of less confident? I wanted to wasn't it, at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, I wanted. You know, I think Tom Edwards should have got some game time. I think Goy should have got more game time, uh, especially when we beat a Hall. That was the key game. It won all against Hull and they were on top second half. Yeah. We'd have lost that game, we'd have been in a right relegation battle. Uh, but once we won that game, we were safe. And I, I thought, and funny, let's face it, right back was a problem area last year. Yeah. And I just think it, it just instills a little bit of hope for the for the next season when you see a young lad given a game and you know and he's come through the system. Um, you team did brilliantly, as everybody knows. You know they came up again. I always think in. Not so much in Premier League football, where anyone, I know you've got your big 4 5 eight. You know, We can take points off teams, especially at home. But in youth team football, money talks. Yeah. And when you go to Man City and see with the likes of what they've got with their own ground. And I, I, I went to the uh, away, away game. game. It's yeah. just it's a different world, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a different world. I think money makes more of a, 
an impact at youth, youth team football than it does now. I mean, you look at Chelsea's youth team and Man City's, how many will actually go on to play you know, for those clubs and how many will probably literally drop out of football altogether. Um, but, I mean, what I saw the youth team last year, they're still, they were a very young team as well, weren't they? I think most of them can play yeah. again this year. But I always think in, in the Premier League, it's very hard to blood players down the middle. Centre midfielders, centre forwards, are normally they cost a lot of money. Centre arms need to be physically able to cope with the man. I think if you're going to blood someone, it will be a fullback. I think that's the easiest area of a team to blood someone in. And that's why I was really disappointed that, that Tom Edwards didn't get much game time last year, uh, to be honest. So, yeah, I thought, you know, at Southampton, just give him a game. Yeah. Um, I know he travelled down, and you know, but, like I say, it's, I know he signed a new contract, but so have the, the other two right-backs. I think, you know, within the next two or three years, I mean, I've I mean, just done an article, just diverging a little bit, diverging a little bit, onto the World Cup, we just won the under-20s. The under it's no point if they don't play football. No point at all. Um, they've played with a, a refreshing lack of fear. It's like it's like the fun hadn't been coached out of football. And, and they had Danny Mills commentating. And you know, <laughs> when 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 wet paint is bored, it goes to watch Danny Mills dry. And in extra, in extra, I mean, I was praying that Venezuela equalised. So I just wanted another half hour. But it was brilliant. Me and my lad are watching Sunday morning. Like, it's a game of basketball. Just attack, attack, attack both teams. And it come to uh, injury time, that was it. And in England had two shots on the halfway line, like Charlie Adamesque. And he's shouting, he's screaming, run it into the corners and, and manage the game. And in fairness, whoever was co-commenting, maybe, actually literally said, shut up, these are just kids. And it, that was, that you know, and I, I'm just thinking, going back to Stokes youth team, you know, it, it, don't develop players to a certain level they have to be given a chance and I would love in this country just to have a, a rule where a certain amount of players have to be match date you know the 18 have to be either academy or under 21 kids I don't I don't understand why we have an under 20 why anyone has under 23s as well I find that really strange but surely by the age of 22 you've either kind of made it yeah. or you haven't I find that age range of extreme. I find this checker trade trophy experiment bizarre as well our goal scorers in the checker trade trophy last season were Charlie Arden Peter Crouch and Bojan oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't we feel the most expensive team ever in the checker trade last year <laughs> I think we might have done yeah. um, and we still came third in our group yeah. I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of the, of the Central League the Pontins League squads are so big now surely there should be a reserve team for Premier League clubs and Championship clubs to be honest so they're playing against men so we can throw the kids in against men totally you know, or, you know and if they're not if yeah, but yeah proper reserve team football is gone it's, it's largely it's under 23s yeah. whereas if, when you had reserves you had seasoned pros who weren't getting yeah. the game seasoned pros who were just coming back from injury or whatever and that's why I kind of think Ngoy, Verlinden Edwards if they all went out alone at the start of the season, I'd be ha- I'd be happy. I'd be dead happy, be- yeah. Because they're, they're playing against sometimes proper mean bastards who will kick them. They're playing against people who whose mortgage is depending yeah, on it. Exactly. Um, physically, they develop mentally, and you know, and, and technically as well. But I mean, I remember again when I was a kid. And Stoke were away on a Saturday afternoon. The reserve team were at home. And, you know, I'd go down. I remember Paul Scholes playing for Man United reserves. You know, I, the Stoke the Stoke Reserve team was was a team of blokes with a few kids in. And it was a decent standard of football. You get decent, if you had a season ticket, you got in for free, and and this, that, and the other. And uh, I don't know now. It's it's under twenty three against under twenty three, isn't that players who aren't good enough and a twenty two against players who aren't good enough in the twenty two? Yeah. So surely by the age, that age, they will have either gone elsewhere or been in your first team. So I, I just find that one a strange one. But like you say, if Start the season six or seven hours before farmed out to club. Even the veil, seriously, yeah. no yeah. one would. Yeah. With the veil, after three or four hours, fine. And I'd wish him all the best as well. If he develops the kids, fine. You know, that, that's what it's all about. Veil or cool, a local team, so they don't have to move out. They say, well, they're quite like the thought of. I've interviewed a few players this year, like Harry uh, Harry Burgoyne, who's the keeper at Wolves. He was farmed out to Telford United. He was farmed out to Cheltenham that kind of and he, he, he said to you I went from a boy to a man in, in six months so 
and you know, in, in, you know, I had to cook meals for myself. Never happened before. I had to live on my, away from parents. Never happened before. So they develop, you know, develop off the pitch as well as on it. Dave, why are you asking the listeners for money again? Well, Chris, it's because the Wizards of Drivel are now on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows people to support their favourite creators by pledging a small amount of money per month. So, a listener's going to have to pay for the podcast? Because, to be honest, I don't think people want to buy a weekly moan at Mark Hughes. No, Ben, the usual weekly podcast will always be free to everyone who wants to listen. This is just for people who can afford to support the podcast in order to help us keep going next season. Ben, Ben, I'm not sure I think I can trust Dave with a large transfer budget to rebuild this podcast. I think we should go and look for a presenter abroad with some new ideas. Steady on, Chris. All money pledged to us will be 100% reinvested back into the podcast. From playing off SoundCloud subscriptions, website fees and funding improvements to the overall quality of the pod. From microphones to interviews. Yeah, but if you're a supporter of us on Patreon, what do you get out of it? Well, aside from the warm glow you get from helping out an independent podcast about Stoke City, patrons will get extra stuff just for them. If you pledge $1 a month, which is mere pennies at least for the moment, you'll get back a bunch of exclusive content, videos, blogs, mini-podcasts, that kind of thing. And if you pledge $3 a month, you'll get two extra Wizards of Drivel podcasts monthly. How does a listener become a patron then, Dave? They go to www.patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. And if they can and want to, can select the rewards that suit them. It's entirely voluntary. And if you don't have the spare cash or just don't want to, we won't think any the less of you. And of course, we're happy to talk through any questions you might have about this via email or social media. One wish for next season. Just one general wish. One change you can make at Stoke. One signing we can make or... Yeah. Uh, or just a, a change of attitude somewhere. Yeah, would be. I, I would probably want, really want um, Al McPherson to sit next to us, have a season ticket. I care about the football then. Oh, she sits uh, in the John Smith, actually. does she? I'd like to be more block 19. Um, joy. I want some joy at the football. Um, not, not a woman called Joy. Um, football's about a hope, always has been. Even when you're at your lowest, there's a belief that things will get better. And I don't mean finish it. Get me wrong. I want Stoke to finish as high as possible, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't particularly give a shit as well. As long as worst case scenario, even if we went down, and I don't want us to, obviously, is look at the away days in the Championship. It's, it's a, that literally wow of a division for away days. But, but what I do want is, you know, what we had under Uzi that first couple of years is the spring in me step when I'm walking to the ground, a belief that we're actually going to, you know, going to have a real go at teams. Um, that we're going to see attacking football. You know, I'm not for I'm not for gung ho football because teams that go gung ho usually lose. But just just football with a little bit of joy in it. We've got the players as well. That's the key for me. We have got the players, and despite all the talent we've got going forward, I'm not one for stats. Um, but it's, it always seems to me as though we, we created less chances than most other teams last year. It isn't as though you know, we were missing loads of chances. And when you've got the golden three like we have a Bojan, you know, on Outovic and Shakiri, Christ, we should be. Something's going wrong when we don't have any joy in the football. And Orphy put in, in his piece this week, you know, what memories did we actually have last year? Seriously, name me three things you can remember last year. Um, and they're all, they're all to do with, with stuff, you know, outside the actual game itself. Yeah. My, my favourite memory of last season was Sunderland away okay we won 3-1 but it was um, I went there with, with Chris who does the podcast with me that's the first time I've ever been to a Stoke game with a, a Stoke fan of my own age so so that that was a big thing for me and it was just it was just a great time you know had a few beers and Goy got deployed in front of us yeah, it was yeah. amazing um, uh, oh also next year as well I want, I want a Copron yes absolutely I mean, last year was a pretty was pretty disgraceful, to be honest. You know, Hull, it was Hull, Hull's, Hull's reserves. Yes, we battered them, but again, didn't particularly look like scoring. And then and Wolves on the cut, well, less said about that, the better. That was, I've very rarely ever been as fuming as after a game as possible. And was, was and by the way, was it, was it the Wolves keeper, the, the lad who's got leukemia now? Was he the one in goal? It came, it came, that's him. Yeah, so. You know, I know. You know, just on the podcast, I'm sure, on behalf of the magazine and all Stoke fans who wish him, you know, all the very best because he was absolutely amazing. That second half, the first half, wow, 
that, that wasn't my football club that played no. first half. But uh, like I said, yeah. On your point about stats, um, Andy Zaltzman, who does, uh, he's sort of the stats guy on, on TMS. Uh, we get it. He says about stats, they're like a ventriloquist dummy. You can make them say what you want as long as you prepared to stick your hand I'm far enough up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a stats person. They, there's no context. There's no context mm. in them at all. Um, past completion rates doesn't mean they passed it forward. You know, and like I say, the chances last year. You know, we, you look at leading scorer and whatever. Well, we created very little last year as well. So, but I mean, they do have a you know, they have a purpose. But I'm not massively into yeah. it. Uh, wrap up then. Um, if you if you want to sell the next edition of Duck Magazine to us, uh, <laughs> is is your sales pitch? Um, Carl Beeson interview Ace. Um, bits on John Walters. Loads of Stoke stuff we've been sent in. It's really good. Probably the best review because we like a music. Uh, like called Dean Quinn's done as a review in New Order last week there in Manchester. <laughs> It probably belongs in a far better music magazine, you know, than what we are. Um, be out for Sheffield United, be on sale at Sheffield United, probably at Bolton, uh, and also trying to make your ass a crew. crew. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's like a Dal Boy wagon, isn't it? Especially if we sold it in Switzerland and Germany, so it would be, yeah, what, sweet, that was it, um, Geneva. I'll uh, take a few to St. Pauli with me. Yeah. That's oh, really left wing, lads. It's really left wing. Geneva, Leipzig, crew. Even Delboy wouldn't get in that van. So, uh, And then we'll probably just sell it at Everton as well as the last of it. So it's a cracking issue, um, to be honest. We, we like all the issues. We, 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 I just love it when, when I edit it and then send it off to, to Joe to design and to print. And, yeah, it's exciting time. So it's... Uh, so, like I say, now Joe's got it as well. There's going to be, hopefully, we've not seen, you know, if you want, you saw the digital PDF. I mean, Christ, he did a great job on that. Unbelievable design job. So I'm looking, you know, really looking forward to picking it up and, uh, yeah, selling it uh, at Everton. Especially, I love Everton as an away ground. Absolutely yeah. love it. Everything I love about it. I know the view's crap, but so what? You know, I don't go football for the view. So they're a knowledgeable bunch there as well. They probably got the best fanzine I've ever read when Sky's a great. He's a good man. I always have a chat with Graham from it. So yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, smash Thank you very much. No pleasure, mate.